Hello and welcome to today's episode. My name is Leah. I am a menstrual health educator. I will be hosting today. Um, I'm otherwise known as your friendly ovary hype girl. At the end of the day, that's all you really need to know. Um, So today we are going to be covering a couple of topics. The biggest topic we will be discussing is Roe versus Wade abortion, specifically here in the United States, and then tracking ovulation as a means to empower and protect yourself as a woman in regards to the current legislation that is going on today. So if you are new here, if you are listening from outside the States, or you're just not sure what the heck is Roe versus Wade, So Roe versus Wade was a piece of legislation that was passed, I believe, in the 60s, 70s, don't quote me, sometime back then, which basically allowed federal protection for any woman in the United States of America to legally and safely access an abortion should she choose to do that. And so why this is a very hot topic is because almost exactly one year ago today, uh, June 24th of 2022, the Supreme Court overturned that protection. And so it was a very, very big deal because now that protection was up to each different state. So all of the 50 states have a different approach to allowing and accessing abortion. Some states have completely banned it altogether. Some states just have made very strict parameters on when you're able to get one. Um, Some states haven't done anything at all. They're like, nothing's changed. You can still access this. So this is a really big deal, though, especially if you live in a state where that accessibility has gone away or it's just become much harder to access. I am a big believer that no matter what, at the end of the day, a woman has the right to be informed of what her body is doing. She has the right to access safe and accessible health care. And thirdly, she has autonomy over her own body. That is it at the end of the day. Um, This podcast by any means or my business is not meant to become political the fact that a woman's body and what she does with with it has become a political topic to me just is outrageous. Um, Absolutely not. And so that's why um, we're having this episode today. So that way we can kind of go over what risks are involved, what resources are out there, what you can do to put the power back into your hands to take charge of your fertility, whether you want a child or not, and really know what's going on within your body so that way if you are ever in this situation, you know 
exactly what to do. Most people don't plan to get into this situation and most people won't know what they do until they are in that exact moment of having to make that decision. And so my goal with this episode is to provide you with the support and the knowledge so that way you can do just that. So I want to rewind this a little bit before we really get into the nitty gritty of everything because cervical discourse most likely wouldn't even exist if these unfortunate events hadn't happened. It actually, today I'm recording, it's June 23rd, it's a Friday. I have officially been in business for one year. It is cervical discourse's birthday, which has just been such a labor of love. I feel like cervical discourse is my child. (laughs) Um, But the reason why I say that was because a huge thing for me was when I left my career to enter the world of wellness and holistic health, I knew that I wanted to help people get closer to their bodies to learn how to support their bodies. And I was someone that had always been passionate about my own reproductive care. And so in October of 2021, there was talk that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. It hadn't been overturned yet. And so at that time, I was thinking like, okay, what do I want to do with my business? Holistic health, wellness, like do I want to be a gut girl? Do I want to be an energy girl? Like what do I want to do? So then in October when Roe versus Wade was up for question, I was like, absolutely not. I was like, if this is going to be an issue – For every woman to have to even know about and consider, I want women to be prepared. I want them to be empowered in their body to do what they have to do when they may be faced with this challenge. And so that's really what led me going into women's health, going into cycle charting, going into reproductive care was because it's such, there is such a need for it. I know as someone, just as a woman myself, navigating birth control and periods and plan B and all these different things was that I really had no education on it. I was flying blindly. Sure, you talk to your girlfriends um, and try to figure it out all together, right? And so I was like, no, there needs to be actual verbiage and education and support, especially around a woman's fertility. I'm a big believer that a woman can do whatever she wants with her fertility, whether that's bring in a child or use her life force to nurture herself, to mother herself, to bring projects into the world, to do whatever she wants. At the end of the day, it is a woman's choice. When a woman has a child, it completely changes her life, whether she keeps it or not. And so... That's really what pushed me to create cervical discourse. That's really where it all started. And so what I found to be so interesting was that in October of 2021, I was like, okay, I'm pivoting. I'm going into women's health. 
I got certified um, through fertility education and medical management, was working with practice clients. And then in, let's see, June 23rd, exactly one year ago today, I officially registered Cervical Discourse LLC. I was like, okay, it's official. The next day, the very next day, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And I literally am going to start crying right now. Um, That was just like the craziest day to just have registered my business that is so committed to helping women have the protections that they need. And then the next day of it being overturned, I was like, oh my gosh, like this – is so important. And so I kind of found it to be kind of synchronistic or almost like a sign of this business. Cervical discourse is not of myself. It is greater than myself. I feel very much like a conduit of just resource, education, and support to just help women get what they need. Um, I personally have never been through an abortion myself, but I am very close to women that have. And honestly, um, being able to support and just be a friend um, to someone who is going through that has probably been one of the most humbling experiences of my life. And so it is just so important for me that every woman can have as easy of an experience through what I would consider to be a really challenging time or a confronting time, however you want to look at it. So (laughs) that is a little bit of the history and the intersection of cervical discourse and Roe versus Wade. And here we are today, a year later, and it's time that we finally have a podcast episode about it. So here we are. Um, So to really kind of go over what we are looking at in terms of legality here in the United States is, let's see here, so... We have 13 states out of the 50 that have completely banned abortion altogether. 31 states have banned abortion after a specific point in the pregnancy. 14 states require a person seeking an abortion to wait a certain amount of time before they get their abortion. 23 states require parental involvement for a minor to get an abortion. And even before Roe versus Wade was overturned, abortion has always had obstacles. Living in the United States and seeking health care for this has always posed to be somewhat of a threat, especially if you do not have the finances, if you are isolated, if you do not have support around you. If you come from a marginalized community and just even getting to a facility or getting someone to take you or what have you, um, if you do not have the resources, you could be considered what I like to say is vulnerable. And the reason why I say this is because there were so many stories (laughs) before Roe versus Wade was even overturned where women would go seek 
an abortion, they would go to what was they thought was an abortion clinic. It would be these clinics that would front as abortion facilities, women would go there and then the staff there would try to convince them not to get it. They would maybe, whether it was religious or not, they would throw out whatever their beliefs or their dogma were. So I just find that to be so disgusting to trick someone to come in, be their most vulnerable self, doing something that's already very challenging and then try to switch and bait them and convince them not to get it or make them feel bad for wanting to do that. Like there is just such a dark, dark history around this to begin with. And so really the best thing you can do as a woman to protect yourself is empower yourself, educate yourself, Know your shit, you guys, because there are just a lot of things out there that are trying to work against you, which I just find to be really, really unfair. And so um, just know what you're doing. I am going to list the states that are banned completely um, and then the ones that have the most intense restrictions. So the ones that are banned completely, we have Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Wyoming, and I feel like I'm missing one here. Let me just double check. West Virginia. So sorry about that. Then we have West Virginia. In terms of restrictions, um, so the state that has the tightest restrictions is Georgia. So you cannot seek an abortion after six weeks. Then we have Nebraska, which is you can't seek one after 12 weeks. Utah, 18 weeks. Florida, 15 weeks and six days. North Carolina, 20 weeks and six days. So this is a big deal. And really what you can do to most protect yourself is track ovulation. (laughs) Okay, so um, ovulation is the time that pregnancy is able to occur. So you have about five to six days leading up to ovulation that conception can happen. It can happen at ovulation. And then after ovulation, you are not able to conceive. Your body makes it to where you don't have an egg there anymore. So you have about two weeks where you're good to go. And then you would get your period if you didn't become pregnant. Or after about two weeks, if you haven't had your period yet, that is a very, very big indicator. Okay, do I need to take a pregnancy test? The main goal when it comes to protecting yourself is you need to track ovulation because menstruation is a byproduct of ovulation. You will not get your period unless you have ovulated. And so if you're tracking ovulation, if you were tracking that, you can identify at the earliest point that you have become pregnant. If you are not tracking, it is very easy for more time to be delayed for you to find out, which then delays your time to 
seek assistance or seek care, especially if you're in one of those very restricted states. If it is banned completely where you are, you still need to track ovulation. So that way, again, you can identify pregnancy as quickly as possible. And then I would suggest that you have a abortion plan in place. So the same way that people have hurricane plans, (laughs) um, natural disasters, like people will plan for these horrible things to happen even though they may never happen. So whatever state you are in, uh, especially if it's banned, you are going to want to know what is the closest state, the closest facility that you can drive to, fly to, and get what you need as quickly as possible. Because the sooner you are able to make that decision for yourself and get the healthcare that you need for that, it's only going to make it easier on your body to be able to address that sooner than later. Another thing that you should consider when you are having an abortion plan is not just where to go and how to get there, but who are your go-to people? Who are you going to call to help you with this? Who is your support team? What kind of aftercare do you want in place? How much time can you take off work to hopefully just be able to take care of yourself for an extra day or two? Just know everything, who, what, when, where, why. Have that plan in place. Put it in the notes section of your phone. Have like a bag packed. Like whatever you need to do to feel empowered and safe should you ever get into that situation, that is going to be one of the best things that you can do for you. If you don't have a plan, that is okay, right? I suggest the plan so that way you don't have to stress about it in the moment. If you don't have one though, don't feel bad for yourself. Just really kind of channel, (laughs) channel like a earth sign, channel that like, you know, remove emotion for a second and sit down, write down and just be like, okay, where am I going to go? Who am I going to call? Let's go. Okay. At the end of the day, all you need to prioritize if you're in this situation is taking care of yourself, being as safe as possible, and doing what you need to do. Remove all of the outside noise. It doesn't matter. This is your life that you have to live. And so you know. You will know what the best decision is for you. No one can tell you what to do, okay? And so I am going to put some links in the show notes of just some great resources where you can keep up on updated legislation if anything were to change, some support resources. You can also reach out to me. I would be more than happy to provide assistance in any way possible. Okay, so going back to tracking ovulation. Alrighty, if you are not used to tracking ovulation, I have a free mini course. It's called What Does Your Period Say About You? You can start there. It will just help you get used to learning what fertility markers your body is giving you to indicate ovulation. So we can use cervical mucus as an indicator that ovulation is about to occur. We can use basal body temperature to confirm that ovulation has occurred. And then we can use LH testing. So where you basically have a P-strip that tested 
that tests for the luteinizing hormone. So these are some great biomarkers that once you learn how to track and identify them, it's like learning to ride a bike. So I highly, highly recommend that you track ovulation. Unfortunately, tracking on your phone on an app where it just tells you when you're ovulating, it just tells you when you're on your period. Unfortunately, there is a lot of room for error. Error means time taken away from you addressing this issue. So do yourself a favor, know what your body is saying. The more that women can develop body literacy, understand the signs and signals of their body, the sensations, the symptoms, the biomarkers, the more empowered you will be to make a decision for your body because you're already going to have established communication with it. A lot of women do not consider their fertility until they're ready to become pregnant, which for some women that may not even be in their story, so they just ignore their fertility altogether. This is just a huge, huge piece, whether you want to be empowered for an abortion one day or not, you need to be communicating with your body and knowing what it is telling you because you never know. This is a tool that is going to last you a lifetime no matter what reproductive changes that your body will go through whether it's menopause or a miscarriage or just delayed ovulation you start to have cycle changes you need to get in touch with your body first and foremost so when you track ovulation you can know The possible time of conception, it's easier to pinpoint, which is only going to serve you greater. The other thing is you can understand if there has been delayed ovulation or no ovulation because if there hasn't been, you may miss your period and you might might be like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. This is so scary. Do I need to go get an abortion? You can go back and look at your chart and be like, oh, I actually haven't ovulated yet. So I know I'm good to go. Remove that stress. (laughs) Like don't put yourself through the ringer if you don't have to when you can just go back and look and be like, oh, I didn't ovulate. The other really, really risky thing is that women who don't have regular cycles, who don't ovulate, as frequently as maybe that they should, whether they have like a health issue that is preventing that, major, major stress, things like that, they're used to not getting their periods. So what can happen if your periods are not regular is that that becomes your normal. And so you may conceive, you may become pregnant, and then you may not realize you're pregnant till maybe even a couple months down the line because you are so used to just not getting your period. And so this is really, really risky because a lot of women who have irregular cycles are more predisposed to having uncomfortable or unhealthy pregnancies, not all the time, but they are at greater risk. So if you are one of those women and you find out that you're pregnant later, you may miss that window to get an abortion if that is the right thing for you. 
So you need to be tracking ovulation, whether your cycles are regular or not, especially if they are not regular because you are going to be at greater risk. If you track ovulation, right? After ovulation, you enter what's called your luteal phase. The luteal phase is where the body is producing progesterone. Progesterone is the hormone that is nourishing and supporting the uterine lining to support a potential pregnancy. If a pregnancy has not been made, progesterone will leave the body after about 11 to 18 days. So then that's when you get your period and you shed the lining. If you become pregnant, progesterone is going to hang around for a little bit longer. And then the hormone HCG is going to come in and help start building the placenta. This is the hormone that you are testing for at a pregnancy test. So the reason why I say this is because there's a few things you need to know to identify pregnancy as quickly as possible. Step one, track ovulation. Step two, know your cycle patterns. So if you know you have an irregular cycle, that's okay. Biggest thing for you is track ovulation. And then if you haven't gotten your period within at least 18 days after you've confirmed ovulation, you need to go take a test or go to the doctor and confirm pregnancy as quickly as possible. If you have regular cycles, your body will probably start to have a similar pattern. So for me, my cycles usually come between 26 and 28 days. So you need to go back, look at your charts, look at your cycles, see how often does your period normally come for you. So I know for me, if my cycle is going over 28 days, that could be a first indicator of being like, hmm, this isn't normal for me. Maybe I'll take a test, right? I would take a test. There are certain things that can lengthen your luteal phase, especially if you're low progesterone. Um, Lengthening your luteal phase is something that's really healthy for you to do. But again, if it is going past 18 days after ovulation, no matter what, you need to take a test. Um, So no matter what your cycles are, but the point is, if you know the patterns of your cycles, you will be more empowered to spot a potential red flag, a potential indicator that you need to take a test and confirm pregnancy as soon as possible so you can then go do what you need to do. This is only going to protect yourself. Other people that are very much at risk are just people that don't have access to menstrual education, marginalized communities especially. They barely have access to quality menstrual products, right? So how are they going to have access to an abortion should they need it? Um, This is a really big deal and I feel like healthcare should be accessible for every single person. And so if you are someone who does have irregular cycles, if you are in a community where access is not available, please, please, please be proactive in understanding your biomarkers, understanding ovulation. Again, I have my free mini course. You can always reach out to me. 
and then have those abortion plans in place. So as I said, I am going to go ahead and put some resources in the show notes. I know this is a very private topic, so please do not hesitate to send me a personal DM or an email, any way that I can be of support to you. Um, I am here to fully invest in your personal autonomy, your personal power, and your personal choice. No matter what you decide to do, I wish you so, so much love. And if you're never in this situation, great. But if you are, now you're going to know where to do, where to do, where to go, what to do and how to take the power back into your own hands. And the biggest thing is, if you do end up getting an abortion, please make sure to take care of yourself. Have a nice meal. Rest. Sleep. Tell people you're busy. Plan out some self-care time. Do not feel guilty, and do not let anybody make you feel guilty for doing what is best for you. All right. Thanks, my loves. I will talk to you next time.